Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to NeuroDetergent. And this is Katie, licensed professional counselor. Our goal is to reach like-minded folks in an effort to connect, encourage, and support each other in our struggles navigating life with neurodivergence. And? And? To have some fun. And some fun. And laughs. And laughs. Along the way, Katie. Along the way. (laughs) If you've got a stubborn stain on your All right, you're listening to Neurodetergent. Neurodetergent. And this is Eric. I'm here with Katie and Sarah, like always. Hello. Hello. And this is episode 11? 11. What did the old man do? Uh, did this the old, old man, man... he played I 11. I thought it stopped at 10. But didn't he... Oh, seven's heaven. Okay, never mind. Ugh. I was thinking 11 was seven. Mm. Screech. Backwards. And today we're talking about boundaries. <laughs> boundaries. <laughs> Gotta um, love them. But before we get into it, did anything interesting happen to you since the last episode, Katie? Hmm. I don't know. I don't think so. We've about, been pretty chill. We had a close victory at trivia. We did not have a close victory. Well, I mean, we, we came in loss. second. We came in second, but we almost won. Um, second place is first loser. Ouch. It is. You sound like a no fear t-shirt. <laughs> Have you? Oh my God. <laughs> Do you want to know something? A hyper color no fear t-shirt. Whenever I was, whenever I was little, I, I remember one time I was with my friends and we were like leaving the mall and I go, one day I'm going to be a grandma and I'm going to wear a big dog and no fear t-shirt. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. We will make that true someday. Do you remember, do you remember the big Johnson t-shirt? No. Oh. All it's the kids not, would... it's, what is it? It's not the strength of the, it's the fight. I can't remember. The, it's not the, dog, the size of the dog, dog in the fight. fight, but the fight in the dog, yeah. Oh the size God. of the fight in the dog. That but you don't remember favorite. the Big Johnson t-shirts? Um, they were definitely like very like sexual, sexual innuendo. Yeah. Yeah, no. But like kids would wear them to our, I remember seeing them in like junior high. At and, Harrison? Yeah, at Harrison. Risque. Um, even though they outlawed flannel shirts. And of course this was what? at the height, this is in the 90s at the height of grunge. Yikes. And they outlawed flannel shirts what? because they thought they were gang related. Yikes. Ooh. We our senior shirt was a uh, knockoff of Absolute Vodka. That remember those shirts, Absolute <laughs> shirts that said Absolute Senior. I did. I mean, yeah. that's a city school. Right there. I didn't graduate high school. Well, you didn't get a senior shirt. Did I you? didn't. Actually, I didn't either. By what then, was the I last was... year you attended? I think my sophomore year. Oh, okay. Like like the first couple months. That's not too bad. I mean, you've you've learned enough. You you went back and got your I mean, degree. Yes, I have my master's stuff, degree, so, so like it's know. really it really is. <laughs> this will go down on your permanent record. Oh yeah, permanent record. Do you um, know Bobby's World. Uh, okay, we won't get into Bobby's World. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember Bobby's World. You're kind of like you kind of. I remember they go to Legume Land. Oh my God! Don't you know, Bobby? <laughs> oh, that was like kind of Jamaican. We're really showing our age here, but you know what? Uh, hey, look, the, anyway. the majority of people that listen to this show are between the ages of thirty-five and forty-five. So are they? You know, you'll, it's yeah. interesting. So the listeners are mainly women. Or um, AFAT. Uh, we're at seventy-one percent male, four percent non-binary. Or no, 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 wrong. We are 21% male, 4% non-binary, 75%. You know what's interesting though on our Facebook page. So we got we we recently uh you know started, We're getting some traction. We're getting some traction on our Facebook, but it's mainly uh, according to the demographics, males that engage on our Facebook That's page. That's not what I see. I see that it's uh, mainly... I, then I'm reading it wrong. Women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, I looked at the insights yesterday, and it's pretty consistent with what the demographics on the podcast are. Looks like I was looking at it wrong. It's okay. not that surprising at all. Um, so I watched that show Beef. Yes, yesterday. We did. We did. You, you had... Um, My son was like, watch this shit, Yeah, mom. you had recommended it to me. Uh, this girl I've been seeing for a minute, she's been... She she recommended it to me as well. Um, so I finally binged it, the whole thing, in one sitting, like a, That's what like we a did. lazy slob. Like a but... red-blooded American. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but man, that was that was a wild ride. It's intense. It's intense. Um, what do you think of Ali Wong? Did you did you know anything about her before? No, nothing at all. She's um she's a like she comes off a little too much for me. Like even in her stand-up, she's a little too Oh, she's a comedian. You don't know. She's a stand-up comedian. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's, she's funny. Good. I, I listened to her book. Highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. It's fucking awesome. She's a little, like, is it brash? It's like... Would that be the right like, word? Abrasive, maybe? Maybe, yeah. 
which like I would say more so than that, just like pretty uh, raunchy. Okay, okay. And I'm well, not, I, mean, okay, I, fair. I know you. Comedian. I'm yeah. not like a huge fan of raunchy. I'm I more like I like less raunchy stuff for comedy. Um, so it's a little raunchy for me. But her book is fucking tight, uh, and she was amazing in the show. Uh, she's oh, so yeah, good. She's great. She does scare me a little. Yeah, in, in the way that like powerful women scare me a bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I enjoyed amazing. it. Amazing. So it shut was. Up. Uh, <laughs> It was nice to see, like, an American production, but focusing on, like, a culture that you don't see represented was a lot. Was it an American production? Uh, yeah. A24. Oh, I didn't know that. It was okay. filmed in America. It was set in America. Okay. But it involved mainly, like, the Korean community. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was refreshing. It was cool. To see a different, like, perspective on American life. For uh, her, sure. Her husband was Japanese, though. I thought that was yeah. funny. Cause... I know, and they, like, made a point about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mention... yeah, yeah, yeah. How he's, like, all peace and love and harmony and shit. Well, how... How um, she's like, oh, he has a problem with you being Japanese. When yes. she's like trying to like piss off her husband oh or somebody. Oh my gosh, right. Yeah. Um, but it was it was really interesting. And, and, uh, Love it. Recommend it. Apparently Ten-ten. there's going to be more seasons. I, I read the oh. Wikipedia article. The director says he's got more places that he could go with those characters. So, interesting. Um, are they going to... Are they... Do you... You, you no, we should, no, we need to not. We need to not <laughs> spoil. Yeah. Oh, you're right. In case no you spoilers. haven't seen it, so yeah, I, I would recommend it for sure. I, okay. I'm glad that you, uh, you relentlessly. I'm glad that you relentlessly um, recommended. It my to son me. was like, "You got to." My my son has recommended some. He, one time he recommended Into the Spider Verse. Oh, that's and a great Sarah movie. Sarah were so reluctant, and then one night we watched it, and both of us bawling. Aww, I love that movie so much. From I a Spider Man movie. Yes, and oh, that's such a good a one. A Spider Verse. A Spider Verse. Sweet. All right, okay. so today we are. <laughs> we oh, Sarah and I got asked if we were twins. Really. Uh, yeah, at the dispensary. <laughs> so, like, people saw you in person and asked you. This they wasn't were, like an online no, thing. No, they were IDing us for at the dispensary, and I guess we answered the question at the same time. We I didn't in, notice. Yeah, we we dressed similar, which is probably fair. Yeah. Um, and then they looked at our ID. And was, are you guys like twins? You guys twins are freaking me out here. And I was like, mm, I, I mean, he saw your IDs. You're like three years I, older. I said, I said it depends on how much. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> How much of a discount are you going to give me? Uh, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. That's a joke. Uh, All right. So in this episode, we're talking about boundaries. And we've mm-hmm. we've discussed this or mentioned it a couple of times as far as uh, topics dating, that, yeah. that we want to talk about. And again, and I, I feel like I'm a broken record when I say this, but this is one of those words that you didn't really hear a lot until just recently. Um, so... Uh, explain like I'm five. Okay. What What is a boundary? Uh, boundaries to me are like, um, they are needs. They are things that you need. Yeah. And sometimes that is hard to even know what that is if everything you do is for other people. Yeah. Um, a boundary is uh, a spoke, a verbal or a nonverbal expression of what amount of energy and willingness or whatever you are uh like placing between you and another person there are your limits or you and another entity yeah whether it be work school friends etc it's it's um yeah would you say like it's like a rule for yourself yeah it can be yeah that's fair like um it's it's like if you think about a fence. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I like the analogy okay. of fences. There, yeah, there are different kinds of fences. There are some fences that are not penetrable, right? Like, you can't get through the fence, right? There is no... Pa- you you shall not pass. Okay. Then there are fences, like barbed wire fences. You can kind of pull up and push down and get through. You might get hurt. You might get a little hurt. There are, are fences that you can just step over. Or walk through a gate. Or walk through a gate. And so I Or have think a gate opened for you. Exactly. <laughs> Boundaries. Invisible are, fences. Yeah. Yes, fences in, make good neighbors, Electric right? fences. Fences make good neighbors. Like, boundaries make good partners. Boundaries enable effective uh, and positive communication. It creates healthy relationships. It is essential. Why do you feel like the subject of boundaries has become so much more in the mainstream consciousness lately? <laughs> I can tell you my theory, um, which is that um, I think that when you look at 
our society in general, as far as like traditions, as well as like capitalism, okay. right? Um, there are f- like fewer people in power, mm-hmm. right, than people who are not. And therefore they, like usually people in power are the ones that set the boundaries. There is getting to a point, I feel like societally maybe where um, it is being acknowledged and recognized that like maybe capitalism a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and therefore like, uh, whereas like you could work a job and you would also have enough time to have a family or friends or things. Whereas now it feels like there is becoming a bit of a, a switch where it's like in order to survive, you're having to work all the time. And, and like the whole shtick of like, you're lucky to have a job. Uh, even though you're not getting paid enough to actually survive, is sort of falling away. It is. And people are like, fuck this. And so time feels, for the for probably the first time in my life, maybe, for the first time, more valuable than money. I think you're absolutely right. I think COVID definitely helped with that. Absolutely. Um, especially with the um, move to a lot of remote positions, mm-hmm. working from home, and uh, how the the main structure that commute to the office yeah like kind 16 of, hours of your day yeah being occupied by work right and that that office culture and and mentality has kind of fallen away and we've realized that not only can we do it uh at home but in a lot of instances we can do it more effectively i think to the COVID stuff too, it's like when you think about tradition like all of the things that you did as a family say all the the things that you did as a family and you go to Easter Sunday and you go to Christmas and you spend two weeks with your family and this and that. And like suddenly COVID happens and you're not doing those things. And some people that was really detrimental, but for a lot of people that was like, Oh fuck, maybe I don't have to do this anymore. Yeah. And there's some people that were able to, uh, leave their jobs when they started working from home, maybe had an income with a spouse, um, started working from home, realized that they could afford to just live off of one income and save the money on the childcare. Yeah. Um, and still, you know, have pretty much the same amount of disposable income and get some of those things taken care of. They may have had to, like, you know, cut some corners here and there. Uh, but it definitely, uh, you know, helped a lot with that. So, you know. I'm, hang on. I'm interested to see what Sarah thinks about this before we move sure. on, quite on. I was just going to say, I think, too, with um, the internet and more communication. Because, like, before, there was this whole mentality of, like, you know, like, what's good for mama is good for me. Like, we yeah. take care of each other. There's loyalty. Happy wife, happy life. Also, there's like, no other kind of options. Shit. Like, yeah. you do, as far as you know, when you're isolated, that's how everyone is. And then suddenly you see that, like, oh, that job, they have, like, rights. And, like, oh, in that relationship, like, they have choices. Yeah. And then suddenly you start to recognize that, like, you don't have to put up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so both of you being therapists, um, I'm sure you work with your clients a lot with boundaries, right? Yeah. So what would you say the most common boundary issue uh, that you see with your clients would be? Or some of them? Family, as in mom, dad, Mm -hmm. sisters, brothers, uh, work, and uh, relationships, and roommates. Like not saying no is the problem. Yeah, people pleasing. All around. Not not being able to say no to people. People pleasing behaviors. Yeah. Um, no does not, you shouldn't have to apologize with a no. Um, uh, you know, there's a, a friend of mine, I used to go and hang out with her dad a lot. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things he was like a musician. He had a home studio. He liked to smoke weed. I was like 18 and, and we would get into some, some, uh, you know, conversations. He, he kind of took on like that mentor role for me when I was like maybe 18, 19 years old. Uh-huh. So shout out to Winston. Uh, but he That's told awesome me, name. I, I love know, it. Right? Yeah. Pimpston is what Winston. his daughter used to call him. Okay. Uh, oh, I love it. Uh, <laughs> and his daughter's name is Tuesday. So, oh, you know, oh, Tuesday. <laughs> That's just the best. I'm okay. going to have to send them a link to this, this episode. But, uh, he, I remember he, he said something that really resonated with me and I've kind of carried it with me throughout my whole life. Right. He's like, it's okay to say no to someone. He's like, it's not a big deal. I'm just saying no to you. It doesn't mean I don't like you. Yes. I'm just saying no. So, um, <laughs> So I read this book, like, whenever I was, like, going through whatever, unmasking, right? I read this mm-hmm. book called uh, The Art of Asking. Mm-hmm. And it's by, by Amanda, Amanda Palmer. Palmer. <sighs> Aw, jinx. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, go on. Amanda Palmer. <laughs> so, and she talks about the art of asking. So mm-hmm. she um, left her label, right, and, like, uh, crowdfunded uh, through Patreon 
uh, a tour that she did. Oh, sweet. right. And it was fucking legit. And she she funded a lot of money. Like she got a lot of money through this crowdsourcing, a lot. And, nice. um, and then she wrote a book about how to ask for what you want. Um, and part of us as people feeling too afraid to ask for what we want or ask for our needs to be met. Mm -hmm is that we learn from a really young age that no is a bad word. Um, that it is not, a, that it hurts to hear no. That no feels like it's not okay. And I do think, in a, without going off into a huge tangent, I do think that that has something to do with the way that we um, create excuses for things like with religion and with mm -hmm. Santa Power Claus. structures and authoritarianism yes. and, and you're like, not allowed to say no. Like Santa Claus is always watching you. And like, and like where or parents- Or how we yeah. might forgive other people's behaviors oh they're yes. old they're just from a different time things were different right. back then you know that yes. kind of or my house my rules this is just the way it's always been yeah right um and when I read that book, it, like two things happened. I I really reframed how I heard the word no and like really tried to find ways that I could hear the word no more often to get more comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And I started to really, really listen to my kids when they told me. Okay. Uh, so if I went to their bedroom and I said, can I come in? If my son's like, actually, no, or I'm in the middle of something, cool. Turn around, walk away. Nice. Let yourself hear no and hear it and respect it and move on. It is an answer. Right. It is a full sentence like Sarah said. It's, it's funny you bring that up because one of the things that I've learned in like leadership development is don't ever ask one of your people a question that you aren't prepared to yes. accept the answer for. So let's say, uh, Sarah, you work for me, right? And I'm like, hey, um, can you work on this report? No. Right? And you say no, then... A bad leader yes. at that point would not accept your answer and say, yes. well, actually, I'm telling you to do this. Then why'd yes. you ask? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's one of the things that I've really, really tried to do with my team I, because yes. if they tell me, well, actually, I'm, I'm working on this for this person and it doesn't look like I'm going to have enough time to get around it. Otherwise, I might say, hey, Sarah, I need your help with something. I'm going to need you to go ahead and pull this report for me today and send it to me at the end of the day. I'm giving you direction. I'm yeah. not asking you whether or not you can or not. And since I'm your, your Some, supervisor yeah. or manager, you know, the expectation is that you're going to be like, I'm on it. Now, you can you say, I, I hear you, but I do have this going on. Uh -huh. And then you might be able to or I might be able to reach out to a different person on the team to do that. But I think it's really important if you ask someone a yes or no question, you need to be prepared to accept yeah. Either yes or no. One thing that I learned um, as I was like moving along in my career is um, how to say no with compassion. Uh, so like if somebody comes to you and says, I really need you to do, or can you do this? I need you to, I need, but you can say no without being a dick, right? Right. No is a full sentence, but you, you don't have to be like, no. Right. It's a full sentence. You can say, I can't help you with that, but I'm pretty sure so-and-so Mm -hmm. has a lot opened up right now. And, I mean, don't say that to be a dick and be like, go put it on his plate. But if you right. know so-and-so is is got free time and was asking if they need if you needed help with anything, you go, so-and-so was saying that they were coming over. Sure, or like, no, yes. I have a lot going on today, but I can help but you tomorrow. But I can help you tomorrow or mm -hmm. setting up another time. So there is a balance um, because you don't want – I mean – you want your boundaries to be respected, but also you don't want to be a dick. Right. And I have no issue telling someone no. Yeah. Uh, I know you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that I've had to struggle with in leadership and that I've, that I've really tried to work on is not to be so quick with yes. the no. Yeah. Um, you are quick with the you no. You know, because sometimes, especially in the past, the person wouldn't even finish asking their question. I've already told them no. <laughs> You know, so it's like, hear them, let it marinate for a minute, think about it, maybe be like, that's a good question, blah, 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 blah. Unfortunately, that's not something I'm going to be able to do right now yeah. or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's I okay think, to say no. I think one of the most triggering things for me is when somebody says no, because I said, like, like my mom used to say mm -hmm. that all the fucking time. Because I'm the parent. Because I said so. Yeah. And I'm like, well, then I'll find a different way to do it. <laughs> so how can someone identify when their boundaries have been crossed or violated? I think if you notice that after you spend time with someone or with a group of people that you feel drained or tired and that happens every time, take note and ask yourself why. Mm-hmm. 
I'll add a caveat to that too. Yeah. Because some people just feel that way spending time with people because they're introverted. In general. Ex- in general. Absolutely. So I, I'd say like, um, if you don't know if somebody is violating or crossing your boundaries, it's because you're not being explicit enough. Mm-hmm. If, if that's not already pretty well defined, if I'm like, oh, they just disrespected my boundary. For example, if, I, if I'm dating and I say, I get my kids this week. I don't get my kids this week. So on these weeks that I don't have my children with me staying at my house, uh, that's when I'm available to hang out. Right. If after that, this person continues to message me on the weeks that I have my kids, right? They're disrespecting a boundary. I have laid out a very well-defined boundary. And I know that and I've spoken it. I can reference that I've got receipts. If you don't know if somebody's crossing your boundaries, then your boundaries are not very well-defined. So you need to do a better job at making them clear. Do you even know what your boundaries are? If you're walking away from hanging out with somebody and you're like, I feel kind of weird. Did they disrespect my boundaries? That's a you problem. Get your fucking house in order. Get your boundaries, like, more well-defined. So, well, then, in that case, what are some of the common challenges people can face when trying to set boundaries? Is that they? Is that they? uh, The most common thing that I come in contact with with work is that people are incapable of identifying their own needs. Really? Yes, because they have either been in relationships or been in a family system where their needs were not met, or their needs were dismissed, or minimized, or reduced. Uh, They don't. They they unlearn how to recognize their own needs that's a good point too i think they're lost in even being able to do that right with like neurodivergent people um also in particular like uh my experience of like anytime i was saying like this smells too strong i don't like how this tastes um i'm too hot i don't like how this hurting my feelings yeah like all the it's too loud for me like and this is no diss on my family this is like everyone i came in contact with everywhere i went is like you're too sensitive you need to get over it no one else has a problem with it what's your problem yes you know and so like you're told over and over again that like you don't even know what your boundaries are you're your boundaries are too much for everyone so figure it out right and so people a lot of times when i'm working with them all a lot of times it comes up like this i'm upset with my boyfriend right mm-hmm. okay what happened they explain to me excuse me they explain to me what happened okay uh and then i start breaking it down processing it i'm like what did you need what did you need from them i needed to be alone i needed them to leave me alone did you ask them to leave you no You need to identify your need as early as you possibly can and go, I think I need to be alone right now and I need some space. I'm identifying a need. Ice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. I came up. Patent pending. Patent pending, Sarah. Trademark. Came up with an anagram for boundaries. Um, that's ice. That's so ice. you. You need to identify what your needs are. You need to communicate with your what your needs are, and then you need to enforce the boundaries that you set. Yes. So you need to be alone. Then you need to communicate that you need to be alone. And then they if won't they, leave you alone. Take yeah. If they out. can't, if you say I need space, I need to be alone, and they can't honor that or they can't respect that, that's a problem. That's a problem. You need to figure something out with that relationship. So how can people? communicate their boundaries effectively without damaging those relationships with no. others. If the how, relationship, how do you communicate that without that's a trick question. That's, coming off yeah, as, that's a trick question because if the relationship is damaged because you are communicating a boundary, then that is an unhealthy relationship. However, there you also do have to be compassionate and kind when you're relating yes. boundaries. And here's the thing. A conversation with another person, especially another person that you identify as somebody that you love and that loves you, that ends in an argument when you're just trying to express how you feel, is problematic. So if you are in a relationship and you are needing space and you go to the person who you love and who you perceive to love you and you say... I'm struggling right now. This is what is going on. I've identified that I am needing some space right now. So if I could get a couple extra hours a day where I am alone and I can have some space to myself, if that conversation ends in an argument and you are not heard and your boundaries are not respected, you have a problem. You need a third party probably. Right. If you are having problems communicating your needs to somebody that you love and it ends in you feeling diminished or minimized or your boundaries are not respected and they you're told that they are not appropriate boundaries or you don't get to have that, you need there needs to be an intervention. 
Something needs to happen. Also, I think a good point you bring up there is like what you all were talking about in an earlier episode is like difficult conversations. You need to be able to be willing to have difficult conversations when it's not in the heat, heat of the moment. And yes, and the biggest thing to that is in that question you say, how can you communicate your boundaries to somebody and it not challenge the relationship, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have control over that. All you have control over is what you communicate to another person. You don't have you don't have control over how they react to it. Right. And so, like, you can't ensure that. Uh, many, many, many times I've communicated my boundaries in a relationship, and the re and and the result was that I don't have that relationship anymore. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me. I know. I know. I kind of equate a lot of things to like corporate leadership world but it's, it reminds I mean, me it, was important, it yeah. reminds me a lot of like sexual harassment training where mm -hmm. they tell you it's not how it's meant it's how it's taken it's not how yes. you meant it to come yes. across it's how that other person exactly it. so you you're better off just not talking about yes. those things right like because if, it could get you fired if i have like a um a family member who's mm -hmm. an alcoholic right and like people who have been in al-anon or who, who have been in uh family therapy because of a somebody in their family or somebody they love mm -hmm. is an alcoholic they'll learn this right like that um completely lost track oh yeah like say i say uh i i would love to spend time with you but if if we spend time together i there cannot be alcohol and i want it to be at my place okay and then they come back and say no i i'm gonna drink you don't get to tell me what i can or can't do. okay then well then i guess we won't spend time together and then if that person has an issue with it, it's their problem. It's their problem. Right. And that's sad. And like it, and like, I think for a lot of people, they have to get to a point where they're feeling really hopeless and like pretty like, um, not maybe not hopeless, but like the, they're in such a bad space with that person that it's kind of devolved into resentment and et cetera, where it's like the problems are less about the boundaries beached and more about in the fighting over the the things well sometimes it's like you get to the point in the relationship that it's like i can i i'm it's either this or this yeah like in your mind or like i either i'm gonna have to not hang around them yeah or, or i can hang around them sober and that's all right. i can handle where if like in the beginning if you start setting boundaries and those people can't really like you can't get close to them that that relationship cannot evolve into like an intimate relationship because they are not respecting your boundaries it hurts but it hurts a lot less than say what we're just describing with Sarah. Um, so back to like the corporate world, back to working and stuff, because, you know, maintaining boundaries might be a little bit tricky in like a business workplace setting, especially if you have, uh, supervisors, bosses, managers, you might who, get fired. Yeah. Who are like hard headed hat. Like <laughs> what would be the best way to like navigate maintaining boundaries in the workplace? One suggestion that I have is document everything and be really clear in your communication. So like, okay, and then email response. Okay, I understand you need me to do this, this, and this by this date in an email. You save your emails. Yes. Document everything. Document save everything. everything. Which becomes a lot easier when you work remote. Yes. Uh, by the way, because like, yeah. um, I, you know, I have to record meetings and performance documentations and things like that. Because um, I had someone who crossed a boundary with me. Yeah. Last week, and I had to hold them accountable. Yeah. Um, and would you say that uh, setting boundaries for yourself and sticking to them is a way that you hold yourself accountable? Yeah. As well as others? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, here's the thing about work. I want to be careful here because, like, I have had a lot of jobs, right? Mm -hmm. When I was se between 17 and 18, I had 17 jobs. Damn. In one year. In one year. Damn. Don't put any of those on your resume because that will look terrible. <laughs> Listeners. <laughs> <laughs> 17 jobs in a year. That Experience. resume is going in the trash. Anyway, right? yeah. so I have had a lot of bosses. I've had a lot of jobs. Mm -hmm. And I understand that there are a lot of people who have a job that they fucking hate and their boss fucking sucks and it's horrible. And they have to do it because their rent's coming up. And they, if they mm -hmm. don't go to work, they're going to be homeless. Yeah, it's like I hate capitalism, but I also yes. kind of have to operate under it exactly. in order to survive. And so I speak definitely at this point in my life from a point of privilege. Okay. Right? I am my own boss. I make my own rules, essentially, mm -hmm. et cetera. So, like, I understand that. If you go in, say, for an interview, ask 
questions. Find out if that is a place that you would want to work. Right. Especially if you have the privilege of like having a degree and having options. Um, set boundaries as soon as you step foot into that position, whatever it is. If it's a cashier, if it's a CEO, immediately setting boundaries. Um, if if you set boundaries and it's not respected by your boss uh, or and like you get reprimanded or dis- disciplined or whatever, and you are somebody like me who takes that stuff really hard and takes it to heart and internalizes it and makes like a really shitty person inside. I know the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you don't want to work for them. You're right. You don't want to work there. They're making you feel bad. And they're doing it on purpose so you feel shitty about yourself and you're willing to make less money. It's shitty. I've done that. I've taken pay cuts because yes. um, when I left uh, one of the last large retailer, mm-hmm. I took a pay cut just because I was sick and tired of working in retail. God, right. Uh, retail is a fucking toxic environment. Regardless of how the corporate world likes to um, you know, pretend that they care, they right. really don't. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really important – Sarah and I's job – as therapists, like it's extremely important for us to have boundaries in our job. Like, because otherwise it would kill me. I wouldn't be able to do it. Not kill me literally, but it's part of our code of ethics. Well, and I think that's an important thing to consider too, in all kinds of jobs. It's like, yeah, like I've had jobs too, where I was stuck in them for a while and they were really shitty, but think about finding boundaries where you can to protect yourself where you can. For example, I have been in positions where I very much was like self-sacrificing. Like if I don't show up when they're short staffed, my crew, like my coworkers suffer. So I'm showing up and burning myself out because I feel bad because my crew, like the people I work environment. That's a toxic work environment. When I stop doing that, when I turn my phone off, when I stopped answering, they suddenly found money to hire yes. someone. Yeah. And, and you know, I love it. Uh, the company that I work for now, anytime I take a personal day or a vacation day, my boss tells me, he's like, forward your emails to your yeah. lead. Don't. He's like, turn your notifications off. Exactly. You know, he, he's, he's a very um, uh, big... Uh, cheerleader of you know mental health days and all those kinds of things so i I feel yeah i do think that there is like sort of like a turning point right now too in uh the therapy world Mm -hmm. right like very like i learned in my program that i went through my master's program um very pretty strict rules about like self-disclosure uh don't eat and drink while you're doing things like don't drink don't take a drink of water Really? Um, like all kinds of very strict, like dehumanizing almost. Like you don't want your client to see you as a human being. Oh. Well, like you should be a blank slate. Yes. You should be a blank screen yes. is kind of what and I don't And you might as well just be chat GPT. I mean, right. <laughs> I don't practice therapy like that and I never have. But COVID really changed me. Mm-hmm. Where, where suddenly I'm doing therapy with people while while they have tanks rolling outside their fucking window uh, over loudspeakers telling everybody to get inside. Holy shit. Uh, in Melbourne. In other countries. In right? other countries, yeah. yeah. I've, I've, I, uh, we did therapy globally during a global pandemic and I saw and heard things that like I can't, I, 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 I was not prepared for. With the stuff that's going on with LGBT people, with the stuff that's going on in our country, all of it, right? It's like we didn't learn how to practice therapy in this world. This is not the world that we were trained for. And so the way that I practice therapy, um, other therapists, especially more traditional therapists, might be like, holy shit, this person needs boundaries. Uh, And like would judge that really harshly. But I'm like, the boundaries are shifting, I feel like, in a more modern way to accommodate people in their needs right now. Also, yeah, I also think that maybe societally there's a shift with younger generations in that old school, it was that you needed to have authority. Right. um, And that you needed to convey authority so that your clients trusted what you said because you were all knowing. Whereas like now it's more so that like you need to be authentic and convey trust and form a relationship. Yes. And like that goes further than being like, uh, it's true because I said so and I have a master's degree. Or because I'm your boss. Because right. I'm your boss. Right. Um, or I'm your mom. And that's one of the things <laughs> that they that I've learned anyway from my mentors is don't abuse your role power. Your role yes. power. Uh, you know, as someone in a position you know of authority. Know how much power your words hold to people. Right. Um, so you know, if if we circle back to the main theme of this podcast in general, how might people who are neurodivergent 
struggle differently than neurotypical people when it comes to setting and enforcing those boundaries and even identifying them? Well, I think one thing that we have talked about in the past that I think we should talk about again is like um, a boundary for me, uh, if, if, like dating apps, mm -hmm. to say up front that you are neurodivergent. I'm autistic. Uh, I have ADHD. That is a boundary. It is saying it's important for you to know these things about me. Mm -hmm. If we do meet in person, like these are the things that are important for you to know when you're engaging with me and then providing more information as it fits to the dialogue. Right. Right. But like, um, being more upfront about what your needs are. Uh, I think like, um, I got lost. Sorry. I think that like, Keeping in mind rejection sensitivity that like neurodivergent people face and how like that makes it difficult to set boundaries because we're scared that people aren't going to like us or like it will yes. displease them. I think also that it should be said that like a lot of um, my clients, a lot of neurodivergent people uh, get taken advantage of. They are mm -hmm. vulnerable. Um, I think for me that I can be something that I said to you, like when we first started hanging out and like spending a lot of time together, uh, something that I said to you was like, um, I need a little bit of reassurance. Um, and that is something that I need more of maybe than other people. And so I just kind of laid that out. And, and so in times where I needed that reassurance, I could go to her and say like, Hey, this is where I'm feeling insecure. This is what I, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it was, it is something that like, for me, I need that in relationships. I need to be reassured. And so that is something that like, if somebody's not able to provide that for me, then like, I need to know that up front. And like, um, need to know yourself. You need to know what your needs are. You need to know very clearly, like what your sensitivities are so that you can communicate those and like, navigate your own world through that space where you're not getting hurt and taken advantage of and walked on or people please. Well, I still like you, Katie. You need reassurance. Thanks for the reassurance, Eric. <laughs> so how can people deal with feelings of guilt and anxiety when they assert their boundaries? If someone, you know, if someone's trying to make them feel to you or well, if they're anxious thing, just about trying to do that. Yeah, one thing I've talked um, or tell myself a lot or remind myself a lot, when I am hesitant to let someone know, like, this is how I really feel or this is what I really want or need is like, how would I feel if I knew that a friend wasn't telling me that? And like, I was just going yeah. on about as if I like not knowing that information. So for example, like, I hate um, this. I can't even think. I hate whiskey. And I never tell my friend that I hate the smell of whiskey and I just suffer around them all the time. And if I had told them, or I, wouldn't they, drink, yeah. I just wouldn't drink that around them. It's not right. a big deal. Like, I would feel shitty to know that. They hated that the whole time and I could have yes. just not done it. Right. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, can you repeat the question again? Yes. Um, how can people deal with feelings of guilt or anxiety when they assert okay. their boundaries? So I think that for, a, especially for a lot of neurodivergent people, um, a word that I want to use in the same place as, as guilt and anxiety is shame. Okay. Um, because I think that the word that you're maybe looking for is shame. Because when we assert boundaries and then somebody feels bad and then we know that we made somebody feel bad, we feel ashamed. Okay. That it's because we couldn't just deal with the things like everyone else does. That a sound that nobody else is bothered by, we're bothered by. Because, like, I can't deal with you chewing with your mouth open while you're gnawing on gum. Now I've hurt your feelings because I can't just be a normal fucking human. Okay. Right? And so that's shame. Um, what dispels shame is empathy. Okay? So if you do not have somebody in your life that you can go to and say, Ugh, I set a boundary. This was it. This is what was going on. I'm feeling a lot of shame about it. Ugh. And that person meets you and says, oh, fuck, I've been there before. Meets you with empathy. Tells you about a time they felt the same way. Dispels the shame. Moving on. If you don't have somebody in the, your life like that, you need someone. And if you can't find somebody, get a therapist. Because the best way to work through that shame that is associated with setting boundaries is to have somebody show you empathy in that space. Mic drop. Mic drop. Boom. Love it. <laughs> How can people address boundary issues in romantic relationships, friendships, and family relationships? Immediately. <laughs> <laughs> 
immediately. And I think like we've done this and I, we won't get into a lot of details, right. but there have been times like since we've gotten to know each other where we came across a bump in the road mm -hmm. where communication was dysfunctional or disabled in some way. And we had to have a... And we had to sit down and go, okay, this is what's going on. Yeah. And it was hard and it felt fucking uncomfortable, but we did it. Yeah. You just have to be willing to do that. And things have improved. Absolutely. And if, if the other person will not meet you there then maybe today, they won't do it tomorrow. Right. Then maybe do you really need that person in your life? Right. And that right. doesn't mean you have to cut every person off. I do. Right. I did. Because I had to do that. But that doesn't mean that's the same way for everybody. A lot of people, it's just like, okay, I have my inner circle. And then there's a little layer around that. Mm -hmm. I don't go to them for this thing or this thing, right? There's a layer around that. It's okay to have friends that are not in your inner circle. You do not rely on that there are needs that they can't meet. Then they're just outside friends. They're acquaintances or they're this or they're that. And that's okay. But that's the boundary. So like as somebody who's in my 40s, and just kind of now becoming aware of, of these things, which, you know, maybe I had boundaries and enforced them in the past, but maybe I referred to them or considered them as something else. Yeah. You know, like there'd be times where I'd say, no, that's like really a non-negotiable yeah. for me. You know, if I'm trying to explain something to somebody or, or explain why I am not willing to do something that they've asked me, something like, like that. Like a hard no. But let's say, let's say, uh... Or hard limit for those in the BDSM community, mm -hmm. which overlaps a lot with neurodivergence. For sure, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, let's say that I find myself at a point where I need to start setting and enforcing some boundaries with like my parents, where I've never really found myself in a position where I've done that before. And so now, you know, 41 years later, if I've set a boundary for myself and, yeah. and they cross that boundary, how would I even begin to approach that with someone who's never had experienced that kind of behavior from me before. Right. I mean, okay, again, and I'm not trying to like cash in, but like get a therapist, right? If you <laughs> right. were coming to me and we were talking about this and mm -hmm. we were not being recorded, I'd be like, dude, I really advise you get a therapist and have them help you and walk you through this process. They can help you in ways where you can role play, where they can give you a really unbiased, like, okay, maybe you're being a little unreasonable here or they're being unreasonable and this mm -hmm. is a hard thing that you need to do, et cetera, right? Right. Um, here's the thing though, like me to you right now, I'd say like um, set your boundaries quietly, right? You don't have to tell them every boundary you set. Let's, right. let's, say, let's say you have somebody that talks to their parents twice a week. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I don't want to talk to my parents twice a week anymore. I want to talk to my parents once a month. So they have to communicate to their parents now that they are setting a boundary. And they will only be talking once a month now. Okay. You just go tell them. You say, okay, hey, so here's the thing. This is what I need from you. I'm only and, – and the advice that I would give is like hear them. Whatever they have to say, hear them. But when you're walking out the door and saying goodbye, you're communicating them once a month now. Period. Okay. So, like, if they need to say they're upset by that, if they need to say that hurts, if they need to say, oh, this feels bad, blah, 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 hear it. I mean, if you don't, if you don't want to hear it, then don't. But if you can, do. And, okay. and say, I'm sorry that it's like that. But, like, this is how it's going to be now. So, before we wrap it up and get to a uh, listener email, uh, I have one last question. So, what advice would you give to someone who's struggling to set and maintain healthy boundaries? Get a therapist? Oh, fuck yes. <laughs> For real. Honestly, like, um, of all the things that I have advised or, or suggested people go to therapy for, mm -hmm. um, finding a therapist to help you set healthy boundaries with other people is is probably, you could probably do that on ChatGPT, honestly, unless there's, like, serious trauma or significant trauma behind that. But, but if it really is just, like, I need to set some boundaries, I need to do a better job setting boundaries – you can find a pretty good therapist to do that. And it's not going to be, it's not going to be there's hard. Also, yeah. There's also online yes, groups. Online groups. Like group therapy yeah. is great for that. If you can find one yeah. that fits, like if you have a neurodivergent group yes. or something like that. Um, it's or not just, the same as if you're wanting to process some like really right, deep seated right. trauma and stuff like that. It's pretty uh, you behaviorally directed. to be able directed. to have other people who will hear what you're struggling with. Hold you accountable. Hold you accountable and say like, no, you're right. That is something you should feel yes. strongly about or say like maybe think about it this way you need people you trust that you can yeah. bounce ideas that off person's of. manipulating that's you. outside yes. of the situation unbiased doesn't have a does a not horse work in the with race. you yeah. does not isn't your cousin yeah yeah just have some people a support system that functions in a way that like does that 
encourages that encourages you to set boundaries and, and they're invested in your well-being yes because I, that's, I remember you saying yes. that in a different episode and that's that, that really resonated with yeah. me as far as you know when we were talking about like cutting out people with narcissistic traits you're like that person's yeah. not invested in my well-being and that's something right. that's I, I mean like re- if we were hanging out you and I and you were like I need to set some boundaries with my parents and you told me that you like weren't going to talk to them for a while and after like two months like I could tell and you were expressing to me that you were feeling in pain about this or whatever I'd be like bro like Maybe talk to your parent. You know what I mean? Like, right. I would be able to do that. But I think, like, I don't even remember where I was going with that. Oh, my God. Anyways, moving along. Let's go moving, to the listener question. <laughs> moving along. We got, a, <laughs> we got a really cool email um, from a person named Jay. And we'll read it. And he's consented to uh, having his name mentioned. Uh, but we, you can also leave us voice messages. You can do that through uh, the voicemail link on the description <laughs> of the episode. You can also just shoot us a voice message in in Messenger. Uh, we do have a message from a listener, but I um, asked her some questions about if we can kind of cut some things down yeah. on it because it was like a four-minute message. So if you do leave us a voice message, if we could keep it around like a minute, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. That would, we would appreciate that. But uh, I asked her if I could cut it at a certain point. I'm just waiting for her to get back to me okay. before we played on the show. Cool, so. cool. Um, but anyway, this is uh, from Jay. Uh, says, you guys can read this if you like. Uh, hey, Eric, Katie, and Sarah, this is Jay. I loved your episodes on hyperfixations and masking. Eric, I feel you on the Gundams. I just got into Warhammer <laughs> 40K model building and painting. Have you done that? Uh, no, I have looked into, uh, first of all, thank you on the Gundam thing. And it's it's kind of a, a big deal in Japanese culture. And I, th- and I know I talked to you folks about it. Yeah, uh, we found it at Hobby after- Lobby. Oh, yeah, great. Um, oh. So, yeah. Oh, we were... Anyway, okay. it doesn't matter. We don't have a lot of options where we live to get crap stuff. So sometimes we have to shop at places that we don't necessarily Sorry. agree with their politics. Uh, but I've heard of uh, Warhammer 40K, and, and it's apparently this like really involved, very complicated I think I've like, seen role-playing some of them. Yeah. board game type thing. But there's also a huge uh, aspect of model building and, and painting and kind of like miniatures for D&D, right. um, which... If I were going to get into that, I would probably just get into it just to build and paint the models, and I probably wouldn't even play. Just like Gundam, I never really watched... I, I maybe watched a couple of episodes of it. Let's play Warhammer, all three of us oh together. Oh, my God. I, I could only imagine sitting there trying to explain rules to a game to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not fun, Eric. That's not a boundary. That's a, Katie, that's a boundary I'm going to set with you. That's a, is that a hard no? Is <laughs> Non-negotiable for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, safe kidding. Word. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> the safe word is neurodetergent. <laughs> so anyway, Jay goes on to write: Sorry, as Jay. someone recently diagnosed with ADHD, among other things, lol, a few months ago, as a 33-year-old guy, uh, I'm so glad to have a podcast about neurodivergency uh, by other people, really, who have been diagnosed and making our way through. These very weird cartoon-brained uh, woods as an adult as Precise. well. Precise. Yeah. So, <laughs> so here is he says. Here is my question. So you all went into this topic some on the dating and relationship shows uh, early on. Do you feel it easier to find people you vibe with if you put up front in your profile that you are autistic or ADHD? Uh, I know personally as a solo poly individual, it has helped me immensely, but I wanted to see that experience or how that experience has been for you and if you recommend it to others. Love you, Jay. Thank you so much, Jay. We really appreciate Thanks, you uh, writing in. And if you want to write in, uh, email us at neurodetergent.pod.gmail.com. But here's the thing, Jay. As far as me personally, I have not put that in my dating profile. That's kind of something that um, I'll just mention. I'll bring up. I, I don't... For me personally, when it comes to dating profiles, I don't want to put a bunch of information on there. I'm I want to put like a yeah. just something funny, like a funny caption or whatever, and then maybe a couple things down below. Um, and then, you know, when I start talking to this person is when I'm going to disclose that. Can I see your bio? Your Tinder bio? Right now? Yeah. Uh, no. I'll show you after the what? thing. Because I don't want to get into it right now. Do you have it in there? Or no? No. Not on okay. my bio. No, I told you. I don't put yeah. it on my bio. You have it. So. What does your say? Says neurodivergent, I oh, think. Okay. I can't remember. And I've seen that. I've I've seen a lot of people on dating sites yeah, that, me that too. mention that on profiles. Now what about you, Katie? Do you put it on yours? I don't. I did I had to look mine up just to see what I I have my about me, my bio uh-huh. says ENM. Uh-huh. It has 
three emojis. One of them, or two of them are the one with the smoke around the face. And uh-huh. then there's one that's just like a, a plant. So like, I smoke weed. Okay. Bisexual, INFP. Right. Okay, yeah. I just I looked at my... I thought you were an ENFP. I did it again, and I'm an, I, I'm an You've INFP. changed. Yeah, since COVID. Wow. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I put neurodivergent queer, ENM. <laughs> and then I put emojis that are make it pretty clear I'm neurodivergent. Let me see. Is it like the Enterprise that, or something? Oh my god, that's I have too like, fucking I many. This. Why uh, do you well, have that because many? Because I don't like it when when you click on the thing. Like you can see <laughs> this much without clicking on the profile, right? That's too many so emojis. Stop and listen. I don't. I don't want you. I don't want the paragraph to start unless you go into it. So I needed space. And so in order to space it and make it look how I wanted it to look, I had to put those many in there. She. I think that's actually pretty. cool. Thank she you. put she filled the space with the emojis and then someone's gonna have to click on her profile to actually even read because it. Because I don't want the first three words of my paragraph to be what they see. It's dumb. It's, what does it say? My awkwardness is astounding. <laughs> <laughs> it, but that's true. It is true. It is true. I'm trying to be honest. Everything. <laughs> If that wasn't apparent by the plethora of emojis, do you think we I'm would writing match? it out? Do you think we would match if we know each other and we were uh, both just no? In obviously, Tinder? you'd be like too many emojis, bitch. Swipe left. So mine, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna paraphrase okay. what, what mine says, but I just have one line on there, and it says something along the lines of, "I'm just looking for people to uh, order new menu items for at restaurants so I can try it, but not commit to a full order." Okay. Which I think is a pretty good metaphor for what I'm looking for out of relationships. (laughs) Do you think that's why that one person ordered a meal to go? I don't know, dude. I don't know, but I don't do dinner dates either. Fuck dinner dates. Um, But yeah, it's, you know, and I have ENFP on mine. And I think you and I both, the thing about yours and mine when you and I matched and first started talking and met each other was that I felt like our (laughs) profiles were very similar in what we put on there. So we matched... On Facebook. I know, right? Which I didn't even know I was a part of. It's like trash-tier dating site. Oh, no, I'm kidding. It's not Plenty of Fish. But go on. Um, (laughs) Back to the question. Back to Jay. (laughs) Sorry. Jay, we got on a tangent here. Jay, um, I will tell you the same thing I tell clients that ask me this. If you feel like it would make you more nervous to meet somebody and that person know walking in that you're neurodivergent, don't put that on your profile. Wait to see if you're comfortable enough after you meet the person to tell them. Because it could save you a lot of For ever sure. having and to tell like, them in the first place. I would typically not recommend you put your mental health diagnoses no. in your dating no. profile. I put it in mine because for me, it helps me feel less yes. anxious because it explains why I'm yes. weird. But that doesn't, isn't the same for everyone. But you're not right. weird, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Katie's, as weirder, you know. Katie's weirder than you are. <laughs> I'm just louder about it. <laughs> Right? I just tell everybody how weird I am. I mean, we're Sarah all kind of, we're all kind <laughs> of weird. But again, uh, Jay, thank you so much for writing in. It means a lot Thanks, to us. Um, and when we hear back from our friend in Egypt, we'll be playing yes. their voices messages as well. Send it, send it on over. Send a voice message. Leave us a voicemail. Um, we really appreciate everybody who's been engaging with us on Facebook and uh, listening to the podcast. And, and we're glad you're enjoying it. I think and, Sarah's uh, going to continue to paint. The pets? Yes. We're going to yeah, continue I wanna to do the pick, pet thing. I'm going to pick at least one more. Okay. And, and we'll uh, see from there. In last week's episode, we played the call. And so... Um, yes, Frank. Yeah, just Be hit up our Facebook heart, page. Frank. It's one of the pinned posts uh, where you can submit a picture of your pet. Yes. And Sarah might paint yours and we would send it to you. Uh, but anyway, I uh, hope everybody <laughs> has a good week. Uh, we'll see you next week. And, bye. Uh, bye. Bye. Bye.